Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. Almighty baller. Brian, the Nets are back. Wow. Brian. They're really back. I was in in the building last night at Barclays, and uh, it was lit AF, as as the kids say. Smelts. Uh, Alleged sellout, according to the... To Nets, whatever, PR, or Nets attendance czars, a sellout. Did it feel like a sellout last night, Brian? Dude, I got to, there was a, a standing ovation going into halftime. Was, I had never seen anything like it. I've never seen such a, a woke crowd at Barclays. Is, okay, so why do you think, what was the motivation? How did it become a sellout, basically? Because I do wonder, like. Dude, people are watching the standings. They, they saw, you know, the Pistons usurp them for the sixth seed, and they're like. Those are the fans that we. You, I had two guys in front of me in their probably late sixties, sat there with their arms folded and just complained about every time we turned the ball over. And I was like, "This is who I want. <laughs> this is these are my <laughs> these are my people." It was a, a thirty point blowout, and they're just like, "That D'Lo's got to take care of the ball better." Of course, you didn't call him D'Lo, right? You call him Russell. That's it. Yeah, yeah I doubt that they called him D'Lo. Yeah, at, at yeah. loading on Twitter needs to do better ball ball job. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brian, the Nets are back. How about that game against Detroit? We said it in our last pod. Um, mm-hmm. We were going to do an emergency sad pod before the Mavericks game. Mavericks game Glad happened. we didn't. Huh? That would have aged poorly. That would have aged very poorly. Thankfully, we had some foresight to say, let's take a breath. Let's see what's going to happen. Mm. Beat Dallas. Cleveland, yeah. you know, that was, a, that was a game that, you know, could have gone either way. It was very close. Beat Cleveland. At Atlanta, very contentious game, a fun game to watch for sure. Beat Atlanta at Atlanta. Then this big matchup, the 6 7 seed matchup, possible Eastern Conference matchup, Brian. Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. For the Singapore swap, too. I mean, we went back up to the sixth seed. It's, it's symbolic. You know? um, and an absolute beatdown against Detroit. It was it was sad from Detroit's point of view. I think it was like the third Rodion's Karuk's steal and jam that just Blake mm. Griffin's face dropped completely, and you knew that the game was over, even though it was only in, like, what, the second quarter at that point. I got to tell you, that last one where he sort of stared into the bench mm-hmm. would have been a lot cooler if he didn't beam it off his head before. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a lot cooler. That's the thing, though. It's like with Karuk's yeah. and a lot of the young players, it seems like there's just still a tick too much of newness going on. So, like, mm. he mean mugs, perfect mean mug, ball bounces off. You know, it's like there's, like, just a there's a slight diminishing of how cool mm. they could be in certain moments. Um, you know, it's interesting. There's a similar kind of stiffness to all their dunks, too. Like, there's nobody that really can, can torque it, you know? There's not a whole lot of torque. Dude, I think Karuk's is crew. getting – he's rising up the rankings as recent best Nets dunkers, post-Vince Carter, post-Richard I mean, Jefferson. they had – I was watching the stupid NBA like top ten countdown um, <laughs> on on the league pass, and it, uh, he was number one. <laughs> he was number one for for that one against um, what? There was like Atlanta dunk, right? Didn't he have a? He had a. Yeah, was it Atlanta think, or Cleveland? Yeah. I forget. 
Yeah, I can't remember now. They're both they're both red. That's how I that's how I remember these things. So um, it, it to put this in context a little bit is that so heading into basically like mid February, there was two games that Karuks did not play in. His playing time was diminishing steadily. He played 17 minutes against the Nuggets, 18, basically 19 against the Bulls, and 16 minutes against the Raptors, and then did not play against Cleveland, did not play against Portland. And then he only played about 10 minutes in a game against Charlotte that the Nets won. Um, But then his playing time has, again, steadily increased. And he was coming up, the Nets were coming up on a pretty nasty gauntlet for fours, which was Kevin Love, John Collins, and Blake Griffin. If you're any Nets watcher, you'd be concerned about what the Nets are going to do against those players. John Collins, you know, lit them up pretty, pretty substantially. But Karuks has been, I mean, we've said this all year. He's been such a tremendous difference when he's in the lineup. He's he's the perfect example was last night was him making hustle plays, doing things a little bit differently than everyone else on the floor and making a big play that all swings the game and for these little momentum spurts that the Nets grab, you know, and it was, you know, I don't know what his ceiling is and we'll have to assess that after the season maybe, but he, he is like, he's not the MVP of the team, but he is the most valuable sparker, Brian. He's the MVS. He sparks the team. He is the sparker. He's the, the ignition switch, the sparker. Yeah. That really, that's a, is that a lame one? What's no, the sparker. No, that's good. The sparker. I like that. That's Sparky? that's cool. <laughs> that's cool, bro. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, first of all, let me give a shout out to a YouTube channel that I just found because <laughs> they they tweeted somebody tweeted at us. Um, it's your boy Half Court Hoops. I think everybody should check it out because it's like you know I, I like those like basketball breakdown. You know the guy basketball breakdown, but like that gets a little bit in the weeds and kind of doesn't. Doesn't do a little bit more, a little bit more macro talk about each team. Um, so they did the Nets Pistons game last night, and he focused in specifically on Rodian's Kirks as like you know, kind of a, a really interesting young player um, for all the reasons that you suggested. And at 20 years old, I mean, we really do need to start having a conversation about what this guy's future could look like because, you know. Kevin Durant would be nice and all, but I'm saying, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, you know, but, I, we made fun of Karuks before the season, and I'm not saying he's this guy. But Karuks, they asked him the classic question, who do you compare yourself to? No one knew who he was because there's not even really footage of him in Europe because he was playing B-division Spanish ball. And he was well, they, on the they, they, Did you read Anthony Puccio's long-form piece about uh, about Karuks? It's very well done. Shout out to Pooch. Um, talks about how he was benched purposefully by Barcelona as part of their, um, you know, political statement about the NBA poaching all of their best players. And so that's why we, we had no sense. So, like, I mean, this is the shiny example of the Sean Marks regime, more than I think even Joe. I mean, we can debate this, like, more than even Joe Harris, more than Spencer Dinwiddie. It was an international prospect who had they been tied to for a couple of years because we talked about we talked about Rodion's Krugs like three years ago leading into the, like into one of the drafts as like, he's a guy who the Nets are looking at. Um, it would have been two years ago, I guess. And he was buried in Barcelona, Spanish B division. Wasn't going to play as you say, because Barcelona didn't want to give him the shine because he, he stated that he wanted to go to the NBA and they stuck with their evaluation. They stuck with their scouting. They dug this guy out of the second round 
He was available there in the second round because of the situation he dealt with in Barcelona. At one point, Karuks was considered a first-round pick. Like two, The draft before the, this past one, so the one two years ago, he was rumored to be the Nets' first-round pick uh, that ended up being Jared Allen. He was considered in there, and then his name got pulled away. So he was a first-round pick. He was considered talented, but the rest of the teams in this last draft let him go away. They just they didn't seem to care about him, um, and the Nets were able to grab him with the second-round pick. And a guy who was just barely 21, he is 21 and 35 days old, uh, to be on a team that is in the playoffs at this moment, to be starting, and to be like the difference, the, the distinct difference between good Nets and bad Nets. If you look at basketball reference, it's a beautiful thing. His plus or minus correlates 100% almost, I think almost 100%, to whether the Nets win or lose. If he is a positive plus, the Nets win. If he is a negative minus, a negative minus, which would be a, a positive actually, um, <laughs> nice math, uh, the Nets mm-hmm. lose. So he is the, the X factor. Uh, and, mm. you know, Joe Harris was great. Spencer Dinwiddie is great. Those are all, like, fantastic. I think it's Caruso. He's, like, he's, you know, you just getting a second-round pick that is anything is a positive. And they're getting a second-round pick who's a starter at the age of barely 21 who shows, like, five different skill sets that you're going to want in your power forward at this point in the NBA, Brian. Mm, I like that. Um, so I wonder if he's going to lean into the meme, embrace the meme that he's like the team's tough guy. Um, <laughs> the squad is vanilla, but for maybe Spencer Dinwiddie, but Spencer Dinwiddie's version of anger is more directed at the powers that be than, than other players that he's playing against. You know, he's he's raging against the machine is, is Spencer Dinwiddie. Raging against the machine um, and the referees. It's uh... <laughs> That's the that's the machine I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, so like when when Kirk's. Kuduks, um like hammerjacked Blake Griffin and didn't didn't help him up. It was basically like he kind of bobbled the ball and then just like turned it into a really hard foul. <laughs> he was like, "I'll just I'll just pretend like that was on purpose." Um, that was the first time I've seen him truly embrace the meme that he's like the team's enforcer, sort of de facto enforcer, or a guy that gets under your skin. Um, and on this like pretty vanilla squad, it's it's definitely a position that needs filling. Like Travion Graham's not going to be that guy. Ronda Hellas Jefferson is also kind of raging against. The machine, but that machine is himself for the most part. <laughs> but, but we need, yeah, we need some kind of emotional tenor. You know, you got to have that one guy, um, as as they say, the one knucklehead. And he plays. Uh, it, he's not really a knucklehead. And he plays yeah. it. Per, it matches the, like his playing style because he doesn't play. He's not a passive player. He's he he ends up in spots where he probably shouldn't be at times, but he ends up in weird positions on the floor. He is very active. And yet he adds not only the activity, but he adds sort of the intelligence of what he's supposed to be doing in the moment, which, again, is pretty shocking considering just we keep saying this, but like he didn't play basketball essentially all of last year and he didn't really play that much basketball before that. He was playing on the, again, B division Spanish basketball. This wasn't like someone who was in. I mean, people crap on AAU, but at least with AAU, you're playing basketball, right? Like you are on the floor playing you're playing competitive games how how competitive they may be it's not fantastic but they're you're playing competitive basketball Caruso wasn't even playing competitive basketball and now he's out again playoff team starting the difference maker and playing a spot that they desperately need now I did something on Twitter that I already have to apologize for Brian (laughs) 
I, I know. I saw that. Um, you really try to just mix it up early in the morning, too. Yeah, I like I like to be, do a lot of positivity, Mor- and then just like morning after it. the best win of the season, <laughs> coming in hot. So uh, I did tweet out there that you know, as mu- I said specifically, I know no one will like to hear this, but as well as Karuks and Jared Allen are playing, that increases their trade value on the market um, for the Nets to potentially, if they want to, go down the route of making a big trade. So I'm now developing more of a belief that, yes, the Nets will want to use their cap space in this upcoming summer to sign a free agent. But if they go that route, or even if they don't, the Nets are sort of the perfect team to to make a, a big trade where they trade off three guys for one really, really good guy. And my guy is Carl Anthony Towns is the guy that I think maybe the Nets are targeting. He's, he's not a winner, Mike. He doesn't have what it takes. He's not Caruso. Not a win guy's not a winner. Yeah. So so was Dilo wasn't a winner either. And then he got to the Nets, man. And uh and now the Lakers are a debacle. Um so you were there for the so you were there for the sellout. Was it a sellout? Was I need did, did you look around? I'll tell you. I, I mean, I, I remarked. I remarked to the guy next to me who I was there with, and um, <laughs> and I'm a friend of uh, that. It was like the most raucous I'd seen it in in a long time. You know, it was a, a legit good crowd. Can we tell people you're friends with Joseph Sai? Like, are we allowed to tell people that yet? Or is that not? Um, I mean, cats out of the bag. <laughs> me and Joe Sai. You know, we're <laughs> we're sitting. Um, in the nosebleeds. In the nosebleeds. That's how we likes to watch. That would be actually like a pretty savvy move for mm. for Cy. Like the the first year he becomes the owner, if he gave up mm. whatever his box to charity and just sat in the nosebleeds for like every home game, he seems. I'll say this: there's somebody in the beverage, um, somebody managing the beverages is doing something very interesting, and I and I I don't have any. I have some conspiracy theories about it, but so, okay, here's the thing. They got rid of draft beers. You can't get a draft beer. You can get a can of beer, which they give to you before they don't, they don't even crack it. Right. They just give it to you. They give you a missile basically that you can huck it up. (laughs) (laughs) You can huck it. Andre Drummond, if, if you so choose. And, uh, and anyways, but, and we are like, so there's no draft beer anywhere in this building. They're like, Nope, no, you gotta get a, gotta get a can of, of of a, of an import of some kind. And so it's fifteen dollars and fifty cents for one of these suckers. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's abusive. But then I found out if you get a vodka, so I was like, "What's the price for like a cocktail?" Because they have cocktails all over the place. And I found out it was um, sixteen dollars for a single, but twenty-two dollars for a double. A big a big markdown on that double vodka. <laughs> so I'm thinking. <laughs> so so I'm thinking that they they somehow maybe over ordered the vodka, or I don't know what. But they're trying to they're trying to get rid of the vodka. And uh, they're not trying to sell you beer. <laughs> so, so your theory is that they they have like just in the yoga room they have like cases <laughs> yeah. of Stoli vodka, and somebody somebody went crazy with the Stoli order. I don't know what happened. it's it's yeah. like when I so when I got married we had it at my wife's family's lake house in upstate New York, which I know that like makes me sound like an asshole, but I, I apologize for saying those words. Um, wow. And we had to order our own alcohol. That's what you have to get brought in a bartender, you order our own alcohol. And my father-in-law, for I don't know why we gave this to him because he doesn't really drink. We gave him the job of getting the alcohol. And he ended up getting um, what's like the railiest of rail vodka you can get. Um, not Rikolov, um, but like that level. Fleischmann's. Right. Fleischmann's. <laughs> wow. 
He got and Brian was at my wedding, so he understands what yeah. was happening. He got yeah, well, I washed my mouth out with Fleischmann's <laughs> all weekend. Yeah. He he got uh, my father in law got uh, like eight cases of Fleischmann's vodka, and immediately mm. once we saw that, we like freaked out because there just was that wasn't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen. It was too day class A for for the smelts affair for for Fleischmann's vodka. Um, yeah. So we have still at, still at at said lake house. Uh, multiple cases of Fleischmann's vodka just sitting in the basement. Is it is it still there? Let's go get it. What are we doing? Yeah, let's just do like all the free agency pods up there. Make some, yeah, make, mix up some jungle juice and do a free agency pod. Um, may, also, this summer we will bring back the segment Nets cocktails. Um, the award winning <laughs> Brian, I, the best segment ever in my done. life. <laughs> I got so many sad emails. Like guys, this Nets cocktail episode. <laughs> Yeah, just, not not yeah. a fan favorite. I, I mean, I got two. I got two of them, um, so, which is which is a lot for us. To me, actually, that's my second favorite segment. My favorite is something that um, we did years and years ago, which was before the G League began. Which when it was the D League, we named didn't we like name like what the Nets team would be if it was in different areas of the city. Um, mm. We had like if it was in um, Sheepshead Bay, what would the Sheepshead Bay Nets team? What would be their mascot? Mm. That was my favorite. Um, it's pretty involved, yeah. I forget that. We, I yeah. think we put more effort into that than anything that we have done yeah. since on this show. Truly. Um, real quick here, Brian, and I want to take a quick look at what the Nets have coming up and the standings. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Wow. All right, quick note here that we should mention. Uh, so while we talk, you know, we mentioned a little bit about trade possibilities and all that baloney. Uh, there's an interesting name who just sort of uh, dipped his toe into the waters of are the Nets actually the better situation than the Knicks at this point? Um, mm. Mr. Charles Oakley, former Nick great, of course, of feuding with the current ownership of the Knicks, the current and forever ownership of the Knicks, uh, has spoken out. I don't know. Where was he, Brian? I don't know. Where, where Where's Oakley saying these things? Um, the I don't Atl- know. I just, oh, the Athletic, right? I think he talked to the Athletic about this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just saw it on Hoopsipes, though. So. Wherever they got it from. This is Charles Oakley. If you want to be in New York, look at the Nets. This is exactly how he sounds. Sean Marks has done a great job. The Nets have better pieces. You get Kyrie and KD, or Kyrie and Kawhi, and you have something. They have nothing bad going on with them. So, Brian, do you think other players feel the same way about the Nets? Um, I mean, gosh. Well, no, I don't think they do. I mean, not yeah, the I same way. Not the same way. I mean, it's the same thing that, like, I'm always very, I, I feel out of touch with a lot of the impulses that, that make a, a player make up his mind on where to play basketball. Um, for me, like, come on, I live here, so why wouldn't I want to play basketball here? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it does make sense that, that they go other places. Um, I mean, I, I think it's hard to overstate just how much good vibes and press is coming out about the Nets at, at the moment. And, like, it's definitely moving the needle, like, for sure, undoubtedly. Um, is it moving the needle so much that Kevin Durant is, like, lining up to, to come join the Nets? We shall see. But, you know, um, I have – I personally have my doubts. Um, well, I find it – so Adam Silver made some noise a couple of weeks back at Sloan Conference when he said that there's, like, a deep unhappiness among players right now. Um, and it's evident by Kevin Durant not talking to the media for days, and then when he does, talk did he to go the media, into into why there is that unhappiness? You know, I because just, I have I a sneaking suspicion that it's about um, <clears throat> like in 
in in their sort of the CBA agreement and everything, and just like in general bargaining for like more rights and things like that, they've opened themselves up to exactly this kind of drama. Like, I feel like people gen- genuinely appreciate stability more than the ability to kind of like leverage better and better deals. And I mean, on a certain level, right? Like, if you're past a certain level of, you know, you don't have to worry about will a team want you. Um, like getting that, like when when you used to be able to have like you know ten year contracts or whatever. I think like there's a certain like I don't know you you you're, there's a life to be led outside of basketball, and you want to like put down roots and live in a city for you know a, a long time. And um, I think it causes a lot of stress, like sort of maybe subconsciously even like a ton of stress. The idea that you're constantly thinking about that next contract. Well, that's sort of the most insane thing about. So LeBron is obviously the pioneer of this. Uh, I go to one team for a couple of years. I go to another team. I bring people with me. I, I you know, I leave people behind. I leave things in ashes after I leave. Um, and like when the decision happened, before the decision, everyone loved LeBron. And immediately after the decision, about eighty percent of the country hated LeBron. Um, and then we slowly kind of started to like him again. He goes back to Cleveland. We all love him. And now he goes to the Lakers, and people are sort of indifferent about the move because... I think people are loving that he's underperforming, or their teams. I mean, people are genuinely appreciating or savoring his failure right now. Right. And it happened... His failure failure in this whole grand scheme of thing that, that he's developed is happening at the exact same time when there's, you know... Let's just say there's a lot of players out there who, who are going to be free agents, but three, like, distinct stars. Kawhi, KD... And Kevin Durant. Um, so, like, his failure, he's the pioneer of this, and he's having the biggest failure he's had in years at the same time when these guys who who are now trying to forge the same uh, team-shifting path that he has done, um, he, they are they're also now facing this intense scrutiny. Now, I don't think Kawhi is probably because he just doesn't talk and he hasn't given anyone anything. Uh, Kyrie definitely is because his team, you know, like it, it te- seems like his team is floundering, even though they're like a, the fourth seed right now in the East, which isn't that bad. Um, Durant is feeling more pressure than he probably has ever felt besides the initial move just after going to Golden State. But um, I, I do got to say all this unhappiness to tie it kind of back to that Adam Silver comment. I, I got to think, you know, everything goes like a, a big pendulum swing from one way to another. So before it was all about stability, then LeBron shifts the league, and then it's all about teaming up with your friends and couldn't trade super teams and all that stuff. I do think if there's a pendulum swing back the other way, which is like, why don't I go to a good situation where there's like a really solid foundation and that a, a team that does generally show happiness, if you had the mm. happiness index instead of power rankings – you had the happy rankings, the Nets would be number one, right? Like, yeah, it's like it's like a valuing an economy outside of a GDP. You know, let's let's start valuing that economy in terms of what kind of happiness it generates. <laughs> right, the Swedish would be number one, and the Chileans would be very happy. Um, right, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about the Chileans. I can't vouch for the Chileans. I know about yeah, the Swedes. Yeah, yeah. Cannot vouch for the Chileans. I don't, I don't even know if the Swedes are that happy. It's it's always somewhere weird, like Fiji. I don't know. It's like people on an island. Right, but that also makes sense, right? That that would be right that they would be happy there um sure we're on manhattan we're all very happy in manhattan uh yeah well i am you're on long island um (laughs) you know that bothers my co-workers when i tell people that brooklyn queens are on long island and they get so mad i'm like well it's your island i don't know what to tell you 
Um, um, <laughs> sorry, dark is, take. What, that is like, who are you becoming, Mike? What is a my, troll? My, a troll. My wife's family at Lake House, and now we're, we're calling Brooklyn, Long Island. It's great. Um, by the way, congrats to Long Island Nets for making the playoffs. Um, yeah. But to tie it all back, <laughs> if there is a pendulum swing, if we are in this moment of deep unhappiness across the league, and it is then going to go back the other way, where people are going to want to go to the Spurs, maybe the Thunder because they seem sort of happy there, or the Nets, the Nets are the perfect team to be the happy team. Come to us, come join our cult, our happiness cult. We'll, we'll do the, the you know the Theo Pinson dance. We'll ha- we'll sign Theo Pinson to an 18 year contract so he can continue dancing on the end of our bench for us. You know, I think there's a real possibility they can get Kevin Durant. Li- oh, really specifically because the Nets are the happiest team in the NBA. They are just they, and that's actually who Kevin Durant seemed to be in his past. Like he was the famously when he first signed his extension with OKC. He tweeted it. He just tweeted out that I'm returning to OKC. That was it. There wasn't a big mock-up in, you know, Players Tribune or Sports Illustrated. It was just, I'm coming back to OKC, and he signed his extension. Maybe Kevin Durant's more that guy, and he's kind of had a mid-career crisis, which is what happens to a lot of these players. They have mid-career crises. And now he's, you know, that would be my argument for him coming to (laughs) Brooklyn and to go along with Charles Oakley. It's like... Mm. If you want to go to New York, it's pretty shameful for anyone to want to go to the Knicks. You, did you see the James Dolan uh, video, him kicking out that fan? I did. And and it goes completely in line with what I, I – I've here's you want to hear a rumor about James Dolan, but I don't know if it's true or not. Please. But I think oh. it's really fun. Yes. That's actually what this I, podcast should become, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a um, – I know a guy who claims, and I don't know if he's if he's telling stories or not, that in um, Dolan's company there is a training course uh, that you have to go to like Westchester for like a week or something, and it's a course in how to speak and engage with uh, James Dolan, <laughs> like like <laughs> just how to talk to the guy, um, and apparently that's a thing. I don't know. That could be a complete lie, but. So that's that's what's those are the rumors on the street, Mike. So, anyways, this is perfectly in line with with that. Like a guy who can't he, he didn't take the course, you know, he didn't take the course, and now he's getting the boot at Adam, at a MSG. In in that video, what was it like? Twelve seconds, right? It that those twelve seconds is all you needed to really understand the James Dolan experience. It was there's like eight beautiful women walking in front of him. I don't know, I don't know anything about his like love life, but it's just like a, it was like glitz and glamour. Then you see James mm. Dolan. And his giant veneers. And those, those, and the <laughs> guy just like veneers. the most sort of like tame sort of version of heckling James Dolan, which was, sell the team! Which, yeah. like, could be a positive. Like, hey, make $4 billion. Make $4 billion! Um, yeah. And James Dolan turns, smiles, and approaches the fan and was just like, here's my toy. You're not going to play with it ever again. Um, well, the best part is like he's like you can tell he's on the fence about whether to be a complete butthole and kick him out for life or whatever. And like one of his goons, like, "Hey, boss, you want me to?" Yeah, <laughs> like, he's he's like, like, tell Brian, like, hey, tell Brian. <laughs> like, and they're like, "Bebop and Rocksteady are like, should we get him?" And he's like, "Bebop uh, and Rocksteady, I guess, whatever, fine." And like he's obviously like he's made enough of those decisions in the past that it's like in keeping with who James Dolan was or is or something, but like you can tell that there, there's some internal 
quarrel going on in James Dolan. You know, like he didn't want to ban that guy for life, but Bebop mm. rock steady were like, you know, d- decision time, boss, and and he did it. You know, I don't know and, if it's uh, that he didn't want to ban him for life, but you're you're right about the institutionalized nature of James Dolan banning fans for life. Like, right. we just happen to have the video of it. I'm sure it's happened many other times. I mean, we actually do know it's happened other times. That like, well, he was like, I mean, it was the it was the way in which he was like, finally, like he was like, should we do him or whatever? Like, should we get rid of him? And he's like, uh, all right, yeah. yeah. He's like, all right. yeah. And then he just yeah. keeps walking, and he's on his way. That's <laughs> always the best. It's like eh, I don't really care, but yes, yeah, forever. <laughs> do you do you think that does like the league, Adam Silver and the league? Do they call James Dolan and say like this is horror? Like, do they say anything to him? Or at this point, do they just say, you know, there's nothing we can do? Because there isn't anything that they can do, technically. Like, James Dolan is allowed to do that. He's allowed to banish a fan. He has that power, and he has that power alone. And really, it's not up to the league to be like, you should. they could say, you should probably let that fan come back to a game and just, like, make good with him because it would look good for you. But... Like, why would they have that conversation? Because it may not be worth it. It's not, like, really worth it to have a conversation like that, even though they should. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Um, but I like that it, it continues to seem like a super toxic situation, you know? I, I hope it continues. Yeah, so that's the, that's the sub... That's the Nets-centric take on that, is that, like, this is good mm-hmm. for the Nets. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. like, super... Yeah, this is great. Please. Yeah. Please ban yeah. more fans. When they actually... If they actually do land some super high-profile uh, free agent, then, then it'll be <clears throat> then it'll be real. Until then. Well, so here's the good thing. So I've been, everyone kind of fears the fact that if the Knicks suddenly get Kevin Durant and Kyrie, and let's say they do get a really... They do get Zion Williamson, and then that's their team... Um, that would stink, right? That would be crappy because the Nets are having this really, like, beautiful rise out of, you know, about the worst situation in basketball. They've become the best story in basketball. Um, And it would stink that then at that moment the Knicks leap 18 steps ahead and say, oh, but we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie and Zion Williamson. That would stink. Um, But it's not like the Nets would be, like, broke at that point. Like, they would be left with D'Angelo Russell and the rest of the guys, and maybe they, they would sign one other player, Al Horford, or they trade for Kevin Love, trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Like, ugh. Oh, all these sound terrible. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying... Trade for... Yeah, trade for Kevin Love. Something something nice that everyone wants, like trading for Kevin Love. I, I mean, I'm telling you, it's real... <laughs> po- like, because Cleveland doesn't... Cleveland... Likely, there's been a lot of people saying this, I think Zach Lowe was one of them, that like Cleveland would offer Kevin Love pretty available. Like He's an available guy, which isn't shocking. He kind of makes sense for the Nets. Like He's a Banana Republic model. That seems to be something the Nets would be into. Um, <laughs> uh, it just is like... It's a type of move that like sort of really does make too much sense, um, unfortunately. I, don't, I wouldn't be like cheering. Mm, no, this is... This is not the kind of this is that's a that's a Billy King thought that you just have, Mike. Well, who's my favorite GM it? of all time? <laughs> Ernie Grunfeld. Who's my second favorite GM? Billy King. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love the that's Billy the King Mount era. Rushmore. I thought the Billy King era was great. I was in on the Bargnani trade, very much so, and that was a good yeah. move. It was great having a podcast on the Billy King era. That's that's the one thing we did really enjoy. Yeah, we sort of missed the we missed this current podcast boom we're in, which we're very happy to be a part of. Um, but we missed that boom happening during the Billy King era because it could have really been 
there was a lot there. There's just a lot, lot going on. Um, yeah, I mean, literally every time there was a trade rumor, we were we were part of it with some <laughs> some dumb package. Like Reggie Jackson's up for sale. We got we got Brooke Lopez on the line <laughs> ready to ready to do this. We would still have Reggie Jackson to this day. We would that would be that would be where we are. I I do have to say I'm like not I am not missing the Darren Williams era though. You know, like if there was yeah that was it was pretty was dark. Time. Yeah. Um. So okay, that's the Nets. So the Nets are going to get Kevin Durant. Um, that's my take. Uh, let's do a quick schedule thing and let's get out of here. Unless you have anything else you want to throw in super duper quick. Uh, no, let's, I mean, I did. We can talk about schedule, but you know, I had another epiphany, and this is one we've talked about. But I was like, let's look at the Pistons schedule coming up. Ooh. Pistons heat. I'm going to watch that game tomorrow night. That's a game that I've circled on my calendar. It's something that I I'm, have interest in watching. When was the last time you've, with real purpose, wanted to watch uh, something like a Pistons Heat game in March? Uh, never. It, answer is never. <laughs> <laughs> and and still, is it still the case, or would you want to watch that game? Uh, I mean... Still no, still no. I, I still, you know, it's a different level of dedication. You know what it is also because the Nets so thoroughly blew out the Pistons? Like, then in my mind, I've disregarded the Pistons, even though I shouldn't. I know that's not how basketball no, I, works. I got to see if they bounce back, you know? Um, what else they got? I'm li- I'm I'm going to the schedule now. Um, you know the the Nets don't have a home game until March 30th. Yeah, uh, that's uh, so sorry. I'm just looking at the the schedule. Yeah, so yeah, the Nets the Nets are going on this crazy, super crazy long road streak where they play what is it seven games on the road. Um, yeah, most this of them is brutal are... that they do this every year. Like, like do other te- I know that there's this rodeo, whatever thing that the Spurs do, but do other teams always have like a super long? Everyone has a super long road trip. Everyone has, yeah. Every every team has every West Coast, East Coast, whatever. They all have games with like streaks where they're just on the other coast for a crazy for eight amount of games. games. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's crazy at the at the end of this? So they play <laughs> six games on the West Coast, and then they go from. Portland to at Philly so it's like it's like what do the Nets do there so they play at Portland so then Tuesday I guess they fly out or maybe they fly out on Monday right after that Portland game but they like I imagine they go to Philly or do they fly home for like a day to get you know a new set of sweatpants and then go take the train down to Philly um, I mean, I would, you know. Yeah, you would get to freshen up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. But so yeah, so it's at Oklahoma City playoff team, at U-Haul, Utah playoff team, right? At Clippers playoff team, at Kings team aspiring to be in the playoffs, though, though <coughs> moving farther and further down the standings. Pretty unlikely at this point. Um, the marquee, the easiest game on the schedule, which is now incredible to say, is at the Lakers on a Friday night, and then they play at Portland. Before in the Gerald Wallace Memorial game, before then flying to Philly to play at Philly, and then the Nets have three home games: Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto. Um, and then it's at Milwaukee, at Indiana, and then home for your Miami Heat, Brian. Uh, super duper wild and crazy schedule coming up. Mm. Um, I think. Are you worried? Are you worried about the playoffs, dog? I'm not worried. Uh, Let's see what Orlando's schedule is. That's the real one that matters, right? Well, so it's like, so this is the thing. It's that this team is so unpredictable. I mean, we talked about it when we started the show. They were on a losing streak. Everyone's freaking out. Um, They go now on a winning streak. So as we're sitting here at the 
in the cusp of a winning streak, I'm like, yeah, they could pick off some of those games. Maybe they beat, you know, one of Utah or Oklahoma City. Maybe they beat, you know, the Clippers or so. You know, like Sacramento and the Lakers, not as hard as we once thought. But uh, there's a potential that, you know, they're not going to be favored in any of those games, I imagine. Maybe at the Lakers, but I still don't think so. The thing that I hope that happens, and this would be amazing, is if there's some LeBron James glute injury, right? And they just decide he's just going to – he's done. Like, we're not making the playoffs. There's no point in having LeBron play anymore. Did they announce, I think, that the Lakers, that LeBron's not playing back-to-backs anymore? I want to look that up. Uh, No back-to-backs. No back two backs. I, I this is great podcasting. Were you looking something else yeah. up? Yeah, I'm looking at the um, Magic schedule. Um, what do you see of the last 14 games? They have six that seem like pretty winnable against Hawks and Cavs and things like that. Knicks in there, um, but they're six games under. We're three games over. Do we think that? So if they go, that's. Doing some math that I'm not good at. Um, 40, that puts up 45 losses. Um, <laughs> so, do we think we're we're gonna have we're gonna end up with uh, 45 less than 45 losses? Less than well, one it would be fewer than 45 losses, Brian. Golly, because um, if you stop can, buying time, if, stop if buying you yourself can, so much time. If you can count it, so. We're we're saying that the Nets are not going to be 500 by the end of the season. I because I think they're going to be. Uh, it's got to be tough. I think you think they are. I think it's going to happen somehow. Okay, so real, I just want to dive in here real quick. LeBron is not playing back to backs, but the Nets are not on a back to back. They actually have a, the the Lakers have like a decent break. The the game before uh, the Nets is a Tuesday game at Milwaukee, so. The Lakers are going to be on a mini sort of like Midwest East Coast swing, and then the the first game at home in a while will be the Nets on a Friday night. So maybe things change. Maybe that maybe that's the start of LeBron not playing basketball anymore. Though I imagine that's not going to be the case. Um, he's probably going to play that game. Mm. Who cares? I'm not afraid. Um, Jared Allen's not afraid. Jared Allen said he would block LeBron every time at the hoop. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Just hold on tight, right? So this is... Wow. It's going to be a nail-biter a little bit. Well, and it's sort of like the whole sort of, like, you get what you deserve. So the Nets are going to have to earn their way in the playoffs, even though they still have... You know, they've earned it so far. They'll have to continue to earn it. They will have to continue to pick off some of these games. There's only really home versus Miami and at the Lakers that are like, surefire, you hope you win those games. The rest of them, the final... 12 or so not not great but we'll see we'll see um too bad we lost to scrubby teams like the wizards when we shouldn't have yeah yeah that's bad uh yeah. the wizards shouldn't even won that game either that's bad for them all right brian mm-hmm. that's it all right good hey thanks for having me on the show mike hey Thank you for being here. Um, you can find us, us at netsdaily.com, at guys on Twitter, iTunes, five stars. We need them. We want them. We have to have them. Um, my PayPal is, if you want to send me money, I'll send it to you. Um, that's it. 
don't get fished by Michael Smeltz, everybody. Stay away from the PayPal. Um, good night, everybody! Yeah, boy! <laughs>